Welcome back to Core Conversations, a CoreLogic podcast. I am your host, May Claire Bolton-Smith, and I'm the Senior Leader of Research and Content Strategy with CoreLogic. In this podcast, we'll have conversations with industry experts about key topics from housing affordability to the impacts of natural disasters on property. As we approach the end of the year, we want to take a look back at 2020 and how the COVID-19 pandemic has been a catalyst for change. 2020 has been a year unlike any other. The words uncertain times, unprecedented event, and challenging year have inundated nearly everything we've done this year. Uncertainty, unprecedented, challenging disruptors have been imposed upon our businesses and our clients. But these disruptions are paving the way for change. And today, we want to take some time to look at these transformations with the people that know them best. So for our conversation today, I welcome three CoreLogic executives, Scott Little, Executive Property Marketing Solutions, Pete Carroll, Executive Public Policy and Industry Relations, and Mikhail Palatnik, Executive Insurance Product Management. Scott and Mikhail, welcome. And Pete, welcome back to Core Conversations. Thank you very much. Yes, thanks for having us. All right. So to get us started today, let's have each of you quickly introduce yourselves and tell our listeners a little bit about your background and your role here at CoreLogic. Scott, let's start with you. Sure. Thank you. Um, I'm Scott Little. I actually lead the uh, property marketing solutions area for CoreLogic. So to kind of simplify that down a little bit, it's um, we offer a, a range of properties that help uh, a real estate agent or their brokerage not only market the listings that they have, but market themselves in the real estate industry. So um, do a, a lot around video and photography and print and brochures and items like that just to help uh, individuals market their properties and themselves in the real estate world. That's great. Thanks, Scott. Pete, our listeners met you on episode one of this podcast, but can you give us a quick reminder on your background in your role here at CoreLogic? Yeah, I'm happy to. Thanks for having me today, May Claire. Um, my role at CoreLogic is uh, public policy and industry relations. Uh, the core of what I do is um, work in Washington, D.C. to keep track of um, different uh, legislative and regulatory policy initiatives underway um, and how uh, these initiatives affect um, not only the company, but also uh, CoreLogic's clients and how uh, that influences or impacts the uh, provisioning of our, our products and services for our clients. Um, and I have a background in uh, both in tech as well as uh, having been a regulator myself at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, uh, where I worked on the housing finance mortgage regulations there. That's great. Welcome back, Pete. And Mikhail, can you introduce yourself to our listeners? Certainly. And good morning, guys. It's good to do this podcast with you today. So I'm responsible for the product management function for our insurance business uh, here at CoreLogic. So effectively, that's, uh, you know, spans the responsibility from sort of strategy setting down to implementation of the, the products that uh, our clients consume in the insurance space. Um, my background is, happens to be all of it as an overlap of sort of insurance and tech. And uh, yeah. Sounds good. All right. Well, so we all know that 2020 has been a year of major disruption. People often think of disruption in a negative context, but disruption can be the catalyst for change. So over the past 10 months, we've seen the property industry quickly adapt, grow, and thrive. 
The pandemic has offered an opportunity for businesses to embrace industry transformation, including an increased interest in automation, virtualization, and digitization. So in short, using more and more data and technology to guide how people find, buy, and protect the homes and businesses they love. So if we look at this past year, what exactly has changed? So Scott, let's start with you from the real estate perspective. Thank you. Um, It's interesting. Like everywhere else, a lot has changed in real estate um, over the last 10 months. Um, You know, a couple of items that I'll point out is that just due to the pandemic and people not out and about and moving around, we're seeing more and more people using kind of digital services to locate and shop for properties. do their home shopping. This has always been something that has happened and I'm sure everybody's been on, you know, different sites where they can search for properties and then they look at the photos. Um, And I think it was something people did more recreationally, but now with things shut down, what we're seeing is just more and more people actually um, going on the internet and, and using all these digital sites um, to actually look for properties and narrow prop narrow it down to two or three properties they're really interested in um, and the agent working with the potential home buyer to narrow it down before they actually go look for properties and so i think you know it was a trend that was well on its way but i, I think that this pandemic is definitely um sped that up and and it's more of now it's more the normal process to go online um, look look at some different homes and narrow down your search Um, and with that what's happening is you're seeing more and more agents and sellers start using um, different tools and, and more of these professional marketing tools such as photography such as um 3d tours virtual tours Um, really a way to make their uh, home stand out from the rest of the crowd with the people searching on the internet. You know, you you really need to find a way to make your property pop. And and so we're seeing a lot more of these services being used as just the normal now money that's spent to uh, put a house on the market and and get a lot of attention before it's sold. and then I think the last thing is is a pretty uh, natural and and what would be obvious, and that is you're just seeing fewer and fewer open houses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from a seller standpoint, you don't necessarily want um, multiple people coming through the house that you don't know, that you don't know where they've been. Um, and then you know, from a buyer standpoint, the same thing, right? An open house. Um, you don't you don't get a dictate if there's ten people there or one person there, um, and so it's just one of these items where I think everybody's trying to be as cautious as possible. And um, one thing that you can do is you know you can avoid open houses, um, so you're just not seeing as many of those. It's a virtual open house now. It's it's a three D walkthrough, and so. Um, you know, those are just a, a few of the items, but um, 
I, I think that on some of those items, you'll, you'll see that continue. And then on, on other ones, things may open back up. But for now, that's just kind of um, where things are and um, how, how we're seeing different products influence the real estate industry. Yeah, that that's really great, Scott. And, and so interesting, just this move to digital. I As you're talking, I moved my own mind back to when we were buying our home and we had to have gone to a hundred open houses and being in so many houses and just thinking of people finding ways to get their, I mean, you can't have virtual cookies. And I remember that's what would get your attention when you go into an open house is somebody would have warm baked cookies, the smell of, of baking and just to draw you in. So it's interesting the the move to digital and, and how it's probably changing, not just changing things, but opening things up for a lot of people that may not have seen certain homes before. So with Pete, um, on the mortgage side of things, um, clearly seeing changes as well. Um, what, what are we seeing? Is it that move to digital like we are with real estate? Yes, absolutely. I would say many of the themes uh, mirror those that Scott referenced, um, particularly with respect to home buyer preferences and also just the kind of preferences of what we call third party service providers, um, uh, people involved in the supply chain of, of creating a mortgage loan, which is really quite a complex supply chain. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, and this was certainly more true at the um, outset of the pandemic, um, but just kind of a pervasive feeling of, you know, just with particularly with shelter in place orders, you know, why, why you know, persist with a face to face interaction with a stranger um, to um, do a particular process? If it's not absolutely necessary to expose yourself to the virus, um, you know, as time has gone on, and we've developed um, methods to, um, you know, better ensure that people can, um, uh, you know, re reduce the risk of of, um, of infecting others with masks and, and other um, other tactics. Um, you know, that that's fallen off a little bit, but um, generally speaking, I think it is. Um, you know, in a similar way, um, hastened what, um, what was al uh, already a process that was underway, which was digital transformation. Um, and what's what's interesting about the mortgage industry is that um, digital tra digital transformation has been latent. Um, in, in some ways, we're really kind of back in 1998, just getting started with things like web self-service portals um, that have only come online um, in recent years. Um, and in some ways, we're really on the cutting edge with um, uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning technologies. Um, so it's a fascinating time for the mortgage industry. Um, and it's, it's uh, digitization, uh, digitization of the mortgage is happening at every stage of the process, uh, including the marketing stage. Uh, we're seeing increased use of spatial technologies that uh, allow mortgage lenders to um, look at various borrower data sets, um, demographic, as well as um, community-related and, uh, and property-related analytics to uh, truly understand how they can uh, acquire new uh, uh, clients, new uh, uh, mortgage applicants, um, uh, not only um, uh, new business for purchase loans, but also how they can uh, more effectively serve underserved clients, which is an important um, uh, priority. Um, in terms of uh, application process, um, the technologies uh, today around automation and, and decisioning allow uh, lenders to instantly fit borrowers to the right product at the right pr price up front in the process and so kind of positioning uh, the borrower up front to capture them as a client and engage them early. Um, and um, digitizing what was previously a very uh, time intensive and laborious process of 
um, verifying the borrower's financial resources, their income and employment assets, and their uh, and their debt information. This is all uh, fundamental data about the borrower that goes into underwriting and approving them for a mortgage loan uh, that used to be done with uh, reams of paper mm. um, and now can be done entirely digitally in many cases. Wow. Uh, and then the underwriting process, uh, we've, we've had uh, automation and underwriting since the 1990s, um, but we are seeing an evolution in these, um, in these decisioning and workflow engines um, to try to figure out where we can start automating fulfillment um, and, um, and trying to create more efficiencies in the process. Um, and also seeing kind of alternatives in the way we underwrite borrowers. So how, you know, what, what are ways we can use new data um, or new modeling techniques, AI and machine learning techniques that expand credit availability, credit access to homeowners, particularly in underserved markets, um, but do it in a way that removes any risk of implicit bias um, in the system so that it's a, a fair system um, that is um, providing equal access to credit for everybody. Um, and uh, then finally, I'd, I'd just refer to as an example of the of kind of the fulfillment process when you go through the process of uh, getting a mortgage. We're seeing um, the appraisal process. You know, you know, you don't un you don't only underwrite a borrower for their creditworthiness and their ability to repay. You also have to underwrite the property to make sure it's in sound condition, um, that has a certain value, and that it's uh, and that it's marketable. And we're seeing increased use of uh, modeling techniques, uh, automated valuation models, um, to um, automate the process of doing this valuation, um, but while still creating um, hybrid processes where we engage the independent appraiser, who are still critical uh, constituents in this process, you, you still need to get um, uh, the judgment of an, of an independent appraiser. Um, but uh, to the extent that we can create workflows and, and, um, and techniques that better automate the collection of data about properties and do that digitally. Um, that just speeds up the process and makes it possible for um, independent appraisers to do more business um, and uh, earn more revenue at a higher margin. Um, and then finally, the closing process. And if you've ever, anybody who's ever received a mortgage has probably gone to a title agent, settlement agent, sat at a table with a, a, a notary public with a big stack of papers and had to sign away on a bunch of papers that are difficult to read through, um, that's moving online and it's doing it in a way that's uh, just just like, for example, the same way you would do a Zoom meeting. You, you would be able to go through the process of authenticating yourself and uh, signing all the documents electronically um, and remotely. And um, what's good about that is it makes sure that the most important documents are the ones that are presented up front uh, to the homeowners so that they can make sure that they are clear on the terms of their mortgage before they sign on the dotted line. So tremendous innovation that's creating tremendous efficiencies across the board. Wow. Yeah, no, that's so, so great. And I think everybody that's ever bought a home or refinanced their home is so familiar with that huge stack of papers that you have to sign. And this just is such a, a wonderful way forward in seeing the digital movement of, of all of this. So with both finding and buying a home, we're seeing this move towards digital. So Mikhail, what about protecting the home? Is the insurance industry seeing this same move to digital? Yeah, I can totally relate to all the sort of parallels that my colleagues refer to in the real estate market and the in the mortgage market. It's, it's in general, it's good to see our industries moving into 21st century aggressively. But the uh, you know a lot of the a lot of the foundations been laid out in the last few years, especially with the emergence of insurtech of uh, insurance companies experimenting with sort of digital workflows and for the 
sake of automation, straight through processing, but ultimately is to continue to improve consumer experience. And as all of us can relate to anything has to do with real estate, that experience can continue to certainly improve. But everything's been accelerated with the push to sort of minimize human to human contact during COVID. So a lot of that experimentation, instead of maybe measuring a few more times, those workflows were pushed forward to continue uh, down uh, the vision of those optimized workflows. So I just, uh, maybe I'll run through a couple of examples of what sort of the future looks like for the insurance industry, but in general, he's starting to make huge strides towards that. So really there's kind of three areas uh, you know, the first area is really the, the interaction that consumers have with the insurance company when they're obtaining insurance or so the quoting, the, you know, the, policy, the process of quoting, obtaining a policy, inspection, etc. So a, a lot of work has gone into this sort of improved digital interaction. So if you think about it, like imagine yourself, even if I you know, use some of Scott's example, if you're doing a virtual walkthrough, let's say of a property and you just, or if even a physical one, if you get to the open house and you just say, hey Siri, hey, I wonder what insurance costs on this property. And then instantly, you know, all the information is gathered in the background and you're produced quotes and options. And mm -hmm. those options are tailored specifically for you and your needs based on the information that the, the can be aggregated and collected about you and the risk without you having to fill out a whole lot of questionnaires that you probably don't know the answers to. Right. So ultimately, as you decide to purchase that property, you just effectively from whatever workflow you're comfortable with, you can even, you know, send a text. You uh, ultimately click one button and uh, work through the coverage needs that you have that, again, are tailored towards you. And that's done. That's the extent of your shopping experience. Well, right now, that's certainly not the case. A lot of, you know, hefty questionnaires, uh, very sort of obtrusive inspection processes, et cetera. So that's that's certainly moving forward, and and then uh, you know the secondary interaction and the most painful that typically consumers have with the homeowners insurance is when the you know God forbid there's a claim that needs to be filed or you have some sort of a loss associated with your property, and that's you know for those of you who've been through that process is certainly very painful. There's a lot of not many people know what to do. There's a lot of parties to be involved. So now the industry is effectively moving to the capabilities where consumers are could be almost not involved in the process of homeowner. So, you know, think about this use case is that, you know, an insurance company uh, uses forecasting data integrated with uh, their policies in force to figure out if there's a storm that's coming, that they use some sort of messaging capability to warn everyone to sort of hunker down, get their cars in the garages. And if the, let's say it's a hail storm, right after the storm, uh, you know, utilizing forensic data and damage assessment, you can figure out who uh, most likely had a loss uh, uh, or had a problem, uh, literally start, utilize a lot of data to start your claim process behind the scenes without even having to wait for that phone call from the consumer uh, and literally, you know, push out that job to particular contractors uh, or an, and an adjuster. Now, so effectively, uh, you know, just after one click of a button or a phone call, you know, right away, someone's going to show up at your door with a, you know, pallet full of shingles you know, saying, hey, I'm here to fix your problem. And that's ultimately where insurance industry needs to go. And it is going mm -hmm. and it's possible. So many components of that are there, almost there, or that workflows are being drawn out. And then there's also associated with the... Uh, 
you know, again, the groundwork's been laid out, but it's been accelerated as the move of insurance companies from risk avoidance to risk mitigation, right? So there's a lot of insurance companies who are taking equity stakes and home protection devices, anywhere from water mitigation to, you know, burglary alarm to, you know, doorbell, digital doorbells. And that's the, the sake of reducing the risk instead of eliminating or, you know, trying to not have that risk. And ultimately, you know, if you think about it, again, sort of futuristic use case, but not that futuristic, let's say if you're a small business, you know, you literally, it's the same thing. You go on a website, uh, you say, I need insurance. The particular agency or insurance company already knows everything they need to know about you because they've collected that data and they're able to draw on that information. So they provide a tailor-made policy to you. And then the next day, someone shows up at your front door with a box full of IoT devices say, I'm here to install those because I want to you know, help you minimize any potential risk that's tailored specifically to your business, to your exposure. And again, that's not science fiction anymore. It does a digital sort of progress that's that's occurring and we're getting there. Yeah, the Internet of Things, which at one point in time seemed to be the way of the future. The future is now and it really is. We're seeing it across so many, so many different things. So when we when we look back now at it's been about 10 months since this pandemic hit the U.S., with all of these changes, what do you think will persist beyond the pandemic? You know, ultimately, fundamentally changing the way that our business is conducted. And do you have any ideas of which one of these things might not change? So let's go in the same order again, Scott, from a from a real estate finding perspective. I think it's um, a very interesting question. I, I look at it from the standpoint just of efficiency. Mm. Um, the changes that have occurred over the last 10 months to um, do things online, digitally, um, in, in all aspects of looking for a property, going through the process of buying a property, all, all of those things. If you look at it from the homeowner, uh, the home seller perspective, from the real estate agent um, and, and the buyer, it, it all points to more efficiency. Mm -hmm. you, you can do more. You can search for homes um, online. The real estate agent now can direct information to you without driving from house to house, having an open house at each stop. Um, the seller, you know, can prep the house, have a 3D uh, tour of the house online for everybody to see. And then if somebody gets to the point of, you know, nearing the decision to buy, yes, they can have the person come to the house, but it's not a full blown open house anymore. Mm -hmm. It's, it's here's a prospective buyer that has narrowed down his choices. And so, you know, I, I only see this as a way of improving uh, how real estate works fundamentally. And, you know, and then to your, to your other point, you know, what will persist? Th there's always going to be the need for a real estate agent um, for those that, that really, you know, feel like this is one of the major investments of my lifetime. And I want the expert to walk me through the finer points. Sure, and yeah. so, um, you know, items like that, will there still be open houses? Yes. People will look for their home online. They'll do the tour at the end of the day, though, before they make that commitment, they're going to want to go see the property. They're going to want to walk it. They're going to, they're going to make that final decision, but you know, that, 
80% of the work that happens from the point of time where I decide I want to buy a property. Um, so much of that now can be, can happen from a digital standpoint. And then, you know, there'll be some traditional aspects that will occur um, related to the agent and having an open house or, or having a visit to the house and then moving on to the closing. And so um, as difficult a time as this is, um, I, I think that in so many industries, it's forcing the industries to adjust. And those adjustments are leading to better efficiency in the long run. And so, you know, that that's what we're seeing in real estate. And so I think, you know, like like any other set of hard times, there's usually some benefits that come from it. And I think that's going to be the case here. Yeah, definitely. And I love the way that you phrased that, that there's always going to be challenges, but benefits can come from it. So are we seeing, Pete, same thing on the, the mortgage side of things when people are buying home, the increased efficiency? Is that what's going to continue? Oh, no question. I mean, it, it, digital transformation is absolutely here to stay. Um, now, the supply chain will remain the same. I mean, we will always, we'll, we'll always have to continue doing the same things we always do. We need to appraise the condition, value, and marketability of a home. We need to make sure there's clear um, title to the property for a homeowner to purchase the home. Um, so in some cases, mortgage insurance needs to be procured. So all the all the all the uh, suppliers in the supply chain um, will still be critical stakeholders in this process. Um, it'll just become digital, and it will become more efficient and more convenient for uh, the prospective homeowner, um, which is a good thing. Um, so I, I expect to see continued readiness uh, towards the end-to-end -end digital process, and I think there's an important distinction to make between. Uh, the, what I would call readiness versus adoption. There'll be a push towards um, adoption as well as readiness. Ready, readiness is, uh, you know, as I mentioned before, in many ways we're playing catch up, um, trying to digitize a lot of processes that other industries have already digitized. Um, but uh, so we have you have to be digital ready uh, before you can um, have your, you know, train your your staff, your loan officers. Um, and um, and uh, encourage your your um, clients to use and, and adopt the technology. So um, we're in the midst of, of both of, of creating the uh, readiness for the end-to-end -end digital mortgage while um, educating loan officers and even home buyers about um, uh, the benefits of adopting that technology. And they are two different things. Uh, and finally, I would just say uh, risk management is going to be a major focus. That as we continue mm -hmm. to Digit, you know, digitize and, and automate a lot of what were uh, previously manual processes. We've got to make sure that we're um, constantly looking back and, and measuring and evaluating the efficacy of those automations. It's one thing to automate a process, but um, if it's not automated in a in a um, correct way, in a in a in a way that has integrity and, and accuracy, then it's um, uh, not going to be necessarily prudent. So making sure that um, um, there's rigorous testing and evaluation of these procedures will be a very important focus as well. Yeah, def definitely an important thing to point out as well. So, Mikhail, then from insurance, are we? Is it the similar sort of story again? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think there's certainly going to be ups and flows, right? So, is there? You know, insurance companies are learning. Uh, you know, potential where the pitfalls of some of the straight through processing might be where they need to shore up their, their, their process or the way that they do business will change. But I think the general direction will be 
uh, going that way and pretty aggressively. And I think, you know, even sort of COVID aside and even automation aside, it's, at the end of the day, it's really driven by consumer expectation. People expect their insurance engagement interaction to be akin to what they have in other areas of their life. And, and frankly, you don't even need to need look at uh, other real estate verticals or non-real estate. You can just look at even the, how far uh, car insurance been able to come. And, you know, on the auto front, so for example, you know, right now you go buy a car literally at the dealership. If you want to get insurance, you just need to provide your, you know, VIN number, someone scans it and give you a license and that's it. That's all you need to do. That's, that's the end of it. And then if you get in a sort of fender bender, um, you know, at this point is the workflow for a lot of insurance companies is that you, you, know, you come out the car, take some pictures with the, with the insurance app and Uber shows up and that's the extent of your engagement. And the insurance company already uses that imagery to estimate the damage, to get, you know, ultimately gets your car into the garage, cuts the check and the car is fixed. So it's this sort of tailored, uh, optimized experience for consumers to ultimately do the job which is insurance companies are hired to do, which is to provide the, the the protection in case something happens. And I think those expectations won't change. And I think uh, the way that the consumers are experiencing their lives everywhere else will uh, spur their demand for how they experience the world of uh, insurance. So I think it's, it's here to stay. It will just a lot of learning to be done. So maybe there's going to be sort of starts and stops and people figure out how to tweak, but it's it's moving in, into that direction pretty uh, pretty fast. Great. Thank you. So continued on with this digital transformation. I love that concept of making property as easy as auto. So thank you for that analogy, Mikhail. So if we look at, if just to, to wrap up now, just quickly, surviving COVID looks to be a long haul activity, even with the potential of a vaccine on the horizon, which we're now seeing in the news. What are the implications for these changes? Do we have any concerns about them or is it all positive? Scott? I, I feel like the concerns are related to COVID. I, I think um, going forward, what we gain in what's changed, what people have developed, what people have learned, I think that a majority, when it's all said and done, will end up being positives for moving forward. Um, people are learning a lot of ways to do things differently. You know, one example we have in that we're seeing in real estate is people were forced to go back to working from home. And, you know, that was a nice option for a long time for in certain industries, if it worked. And then all of a sudden we saw a case where everybody needed to work from home because you couldn't gather together. And so from that, you know, now what we see is a movement of people out to the suburbs because there's a realization in some of the industries that we don't need to pay rent in a downtown location and spend all this money when we're doing just as well with people working remotely. And then that allows those individuals to move out, get more space, a place for their family. They don't have to worry about the commute. And so, um, like any dramatic, troublesome time, there's a lot of changes. Um, 
most of the negatives are short term and, and in the longer term, there's a lot of positives. And, and I see the use of more digital tools on the internet in real estate as a long-term positive. And I think it's here to stay. That's, that's great to hear. So Pete, from your perspective, you, you did mention risk management um, just a few minutes ago. Uh, what do you think? All positive or are there concerns? I mean, it, no, I, I think it's all positive. I mean, just with the caveat that, you know, you have to, um, you know, test and evaluate and measure and, and confirm um, automation and, and, and digitization. Um, I, I think by and large, um, I'm, I'm just personally a big believer in technology innovation um, and its ability to create transparency and efficiency and auditability and, and transactions. And if it, I, I just I just think that's um, always going to be um, a more reliable process when done correctly. Um, mm-hmm. And there's tremendous benefits if you're a home buyer, um, just the ability to, um, you know, do your um, parts of the process on a 24 by 7 by 365 self-service basis. Um, you know, that's that's been true of many industries for a long time and it's becoming true of the mortgage industry now. And especially in a, in a process where there's many steps and stages, you know, it's not like you just get on a website, type stuff in and you're done. You have to go through a variety of interactions with a mortgage lender and to be able to do that in a more uh, flexible way, I think is a positive thing. Um, and just in terms of being able to uh, improve home buyer education, you know, just just having the tools for home buyers to be able to know which product is right for them and, and which monthly payment and interest rate is right for them um, and how that mortgage product is going to behave over time. Will the interest rate adjust? Um, how much cash do they need to close? These are important considerations for the biggest purchase of their lives. So um, having the tools to be able to navigate, you know, these different combinations and permutations in a way that's uh, simple and understandable is a really big benefit when done properly. Um, and, um, you know, there's tremendous business benefits, of course, right? Improved profit margins, um, you know, just when things move faster, um, that reduces costs, it, it uh, creates uh what we call more liquidity in the mortgage mortgage industry um, when things are just moving uh, kind of more consistently and efficiently in a standard way it just kind of improves um, the top line for mortgage lenders as well or gain on sale margin um, and it reduces operational risks you know it, you know incidents of error and fraud just go down tremendously when you've got standardized processes that are are, are moving um, you know, in an efficient way. The, you know, the one thing I would say is I think that as we move towards automation, I think the one risk I would point to is what I referred to before as implicit bias, right? As we get more flexible, you know, as te- technology innovation enables us to uh, do fancy things like connect up different data sets and, and uh, think more creatively about ways we can responsibly expand the credit box. Um, on the one hand, that creates the opportunity to uh, provide access to credit to um, low to moderate income persons that are disproportionately persons of color in our society, uh, and that's a benefit. Uh, but on the other hand, um, you know, there's a real risk that these models can inadvertently uh, embed uh, what we call implicit bias, which is just, you know, uh, just um, kind of uh, subconscious or, or implicit assumptions um, that end up having uh, outcomes that are unexpected or unintended, but nonetheless still um, uh, have the uh, potential to. Um, uh, create uneven outcomes uh, for uh, persons of color, and we we just you know back to the point of rigorous test and evaluation uh, to make sure that when we put these innovations in place, that they're that we're we're getting all the benefits out of them and leaving all of the uh, uh, unintended consequences and downsides behind. 
Yeah, no, definitely for sure. And Mikhail, uh, all positive from an insurance perspective or any concerns? Uh, no, no, well, no concerns, but it, it, it's, I, I think collectively, uh, we need to continue to sort of learn how to do things a little bit different, right? And this, uh, this is spurring, um, you know, an insurance industry historically has been a risk averse industry, uh, uh, as by definition, if you will, but we, we need to continue to learn to do things a little bit differently in order to progress down that digital journey. So for example, you know, need to learn how to work with new data sources that potentially are incomplete or, you know, uh, partial, uh, just to uh, continue to optimize the workflow. It's to continue to figure out how to plug and play with different vendors, right? So you need to continue, you know, find ways and find solutions that will work for your specific needs. And it might be two, three different vendors that will need to be stitched together in order to do the trick. And, you know, it can't be decade long, you know, contract negotiations and IT implementation. Uh, and, uh, you know, that the, the investment into consumer experience at every level, that's going to continue to need to continue to happen. You know, consumers are expecting to potentially, you know, start their insurance process and in a you know, phone call and continue it in the text and get, you know, email back and those all those interactions have to be ubiquitously uh, you know optimal and satisfying for consumers so uh, you know and ultimately insurance companies and vendors in the space will need to continue to figure out how to partner better in order to uh, you know provide those experiences so there's just there's a lot of there's a lot of metamorphosis of evolution that's uh, going to need to continue to occur in this industry for to get to where it wants to go that's great. Thank you, Mikhail. And thank you all for joining me today on Core Conversations, a Core Logic podcast. It's been so great to have all three of you here today to offer your perspectives. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you. Had a great time. Thanks, Mayclair. Thank you, Mayclair, for hosting us. And gentlemen, it's good talking to you. Oh, great. So for more information and insights on the property market and the housing economy, please visit us at corelogic.com insights. I hope you've enjoyed our latest episode, taking a look back at 2020 and how the disruptive pandemic has been a catalyst for change and really provided a bright outlook for the future of our industries. As we close out on 2020, I want to take a moment to highlight the team that makes this podcast possible. I'm just the voice of Core Conversations, but it wouldn't happen without our producer, Rhea Tarakia, editor and sound engineer, Romia Roman, and social media guru, Mike Wojcik. Thank you for listening. Please remember to leave us a review and let us know your thoughts and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to be notified when new episodes are released. Tune in next time for another core conversation.